Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is UWA and Coach V. It's the Apple Cup. It's the chance for Washington to go 12-0. and It's Washington State's chance to make a bowl after starting the year 4-0 and with a win over number 19th, Wisconsin. Everything is in front of Washington. They're now number four in the college football playoff rankings. Let's start there. Uh, our friend Boo Radley did the right thing and came out, put Washington where they belong at, I mean, in the top four. Uh, I don't know if I'm super happy about that, but Leah, go ahead and uh, give us your overall take on the college football playoff. Obviously, I feel like they did what they had to do. I think that they held their nose and closed their eyes to put Washington in the top four, but we all know that we probably belong at two or three. That's Okay. We are in control of our own destiny. We got to beat the Cougs this week. And I believe we will be number three because Michigan and Ohio state play each other. Therefore, one of them has to drop out of the top four. Um, but they keep me moving the goalposts. I made this comment on Twitter of like the first time that they had their meeting, their, their show, they said, well, Washington's nearly lost two games against some garbage teams. And then, you know, Ohio state and Michigan struggle with some garbage teams. And then it's like, Oh, I don't know about the defense. Defense is kind of sus. And then the Huskies, their fourth quarter defense has been absolutely stellar the last couple of games, particularly, I think the last five games, the fourth quarter defense has been really good. Then they said this week, the stance was, well, Washington hasn't scored more than 10 points in September. And I am taking that as a call to action this week. I think that we're going to win by far more than 10 points. The line right now, I think coach and Trev, I think it's at about 17 points. I think that's low. Um, so all, all that's all to say about the college football playoffs show. I think that they did what they felt that they needed to do to stay legitimate because if they don't put Washington in after we have a road win at Oregon state and they keep Florida state in after their win against mighty Northern Alabama, they look really bad. So they did just the bare minimum to stay legitimate, but no more. Go ahead, coach. I am moderately impressed that Boo Radley was able to not vomit in his mouth when talking about Washington uh, getting into the top four, but Hey, that's fine. I've been saying this for a while. They're setting it up for where we're going to have to like squeak in there and then they're going to give us about a week or two to kind of prove it, you know? And if we don't win the PAC 12 championship, then they will boot us to like six or seventh. And then we'll probably go play in the Fiesta Bowl, which is, you know, whatever, but Florida state is in trouble not because of their schedule, just because, you know, if they if they don't put up a ton of points in these next couple of games and, you know, in the ACC championship, then it's going to be lights out. Michigan, I feel, is in a lot of trouble because <laughs> all they can do is run the ball and they're going against the one thing Ohio State can do is play defense. And they have made, you know, they have Marvin Harrison Jr. where Michigan doesn't have a guy like that. So. Honestly, I feel like Michigan is in great peril. And if they lose a game, people are so over them, they're going to drop out and not come back. So it's setting up very nicely for us to be in the top three, top two. But we still got to win. And I know everybody's excited about where we are right now, but it doesn't mean a lick if you take the Cougs lightly. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, thinking about other national people that are talking about it. At least Boo has people that are asking him questions and pushing back. Listening to some of these shows around the country that are national, nationally based when there's a monologue, when there's nobody openly fact-checking them, 
or openly at least having a conversation, pushing back on some of the things that come out of their mouths, you end up with people who it's hard to change their mind, especially people that have seen this, this team play live twice. And I'm talking about Josh Pate, where he, he defends his model saying that they got it right when they had Oregon state favored in the game. And the only reason why Washington ended up coming out with the win was because of turnovers. When uh, I think rightfully so the Husky fan podcast pointed out that uh, the turnovers either canceled each other out or led to no points. So the fact that there was a turnover margin uh, of any sort really didn't have a ton of effect on the game. I don't know where the narrative went about the PAC 12 being the best team the best conference in the country, because even now this is going to sound weird, but even now they're starting to poke holes in Oregon's resume, which you could say that there is some holes there, but again, they're still playing in the best conference they're by far the second best team and you're starting to hear the rumblings of Alabama being a having a better resume than Oregon while that's probably true uh it it is interesting that you're seeing a shift back away from the Pac-12 and setting up a situation where if things go the way a, a certain way you're going to have two SEC teams in there and if Oregon beats Washington, you're going to have zero Pac-12 teams in there. Follow the money. And I am, but Oregon is one of those that gives money. Yeah, they are. And I actually feel like watching the show, they basically said if the SEC ends up in a 12-1 and tie between Alabama and Georgia, they absolutely see a path for Oregon in there. And Alabama would get in. A Big Ten team would get in. Oregon would get in. They're and talking Texas, Texas, too. Yeah, Texas. So yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the PAC 12 gets locked out, even if that happens, but I don't know. If Oregon wins on Saturday and they beat us, then they're in because that's a resume builder. You just beat the Beavers who were 11 last week. And then if you beat the number four team in the country, you're probably getting in. I mean, Texas doesn't have a resume game like that coming up in their, in, you know, in the big 12. You know, whoever wins the big game here this weekend between Michigan and Ohio State is going to go probably play, I think it's Iowa in the conference championship. Um, if you lose to Iowa, it doesn't matter if you were undefeated before, you're probably not <laughs> right. And both teams are probably going to be out. So there's absolutely a path for Oregon to get in. But um, also, uh, screw the Ducks. I don't care about their path. Um, they're, they're the one Pac-12 team that's been immune to like the East Coast bias because of all their marketing and the Nike stuff. And it's, it's real cute. But when it gets down to the brass tacks, and, and Alabama's done their part. They lost that early season game. And since then, they've gotten better and better and better. And so it looked good on film, even if the SEC is a little bit down this year. It's really Georgia and Alabama. And everybody else is just kind of hmm, whatever. But with the partnership that the SEC has with ESPN, I mean, where does this playoff show take place? Where are most of the voters uh, based yeah. in the East? Um, you put Alabama on TV and everybody's going to watch. And that's what I think it gets down to. You have, if, if this situation plays out, and I'm getting kind of sick talking about it because it means a Washington loss, and I don't think that's going to happen. You have the, the eyeballs that go along with Texas versus the swoosh of Nike. And both of those are big brand names. And I think Oregon's resume will be hot. I would, would have, would be better in this situation, but 
there's I feel like some people on uh, on ESPN, and I don't know their names or I would say them, uh, are starting to at least try to poke holes in that resume. On the ESPN show, you're saying? ESPN, all the other, I, I'm a, I listen to too much stuff about college football. I'm, I'm thinking specifically on the college football playoff show. I think that there's a lot of holes being poked in a lot of uh, different teams uh, resumes on that show. Washington's that's one thing for all of the things they do dunk on us for. That's one thing they absolutely cannot attack. Yeah. We have too many ranked wins. doesn't matter how, how much we're winning those by we're winning them on the road. We're winning them at home. We're winning them with defense. We're winning them with offense. We're just doing everything that a great college football team does to get through a season 12 and 0 and winning on a plane, very many of us winning on a train. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. While half of our kids are throwing up in a trash can. It doesn't matter. They just, they just win. And so it, it doesn't matter who the team is that they play they're good enough they are multifaceted enough that they can tailor a game to win against whoever they need to they did better in the rain than oregon state they would have beat oregon state by multiple touchdowns if it was a nice day right they would have beat arizona state if they weren't thrown up you know all of those things make washington i feel really good about them going into any game against any team so um, anyhow, any, any more thoughts about that? I'm ready to move on. Just win. Love it. Speaking of that, the Apple cups coming up, <clears throat> um, Washington and Washington state will be continuing this matchup into the 2020 through the 2028 season. Uh, this year, obviously it'll be at a Husky stadium. The final one as conference opponents next year, there'll be a non-conference game in September at Lumen field where the Seahawks play in like, uh, I think September 14th. This one matters to both teams. Washington State's fan base blames Washington for the collapse of the Pac-12. Washington State is perpetually little brother. Washington State has lost this game almost any time they've had something to play for. They have something to play for this week. It's bowl eligibility. Washington has everything to play for. I just feel so good about this game. Getting through the November gauntlet just to stumble against the Coug just doesn't seem like something that Washington's going to do. Overall take on this game. Are you asking for my emotional stability graph, Trev? Pretty much. How are we feeling? (laughs) Right now, I feel at about 95% confident about this game. I think there's a 5% variable for, you know, an act of God. But coach is, his mouth is on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't gotten approval from Jason to see if I'm actually allowed to go above 75%, which shout out Jcap. That was one of the things I missed on our last uh, podcast was that I, I was at about 70, 78% at one point, right before some crazy stuff happened in the second half. And he said, did you get Jason's approval to go over 75? I'm not sure that's allowed all to say, yeah, I, I think there's just too many things to play for these kids, you know, Rome, Mike, Braylon, ZTF, these guys did not come back and play 11 games and no losses to this point to lose to Washington State. They just didn't. And I I believe truly in my soul that this is going to be the, the time of the year where we open up a can of whoop ass. And this is going to be an unholy massacre. I really hope that we, Mike does enough in the first three quarters where he can do like, just like Jake Browning did in the time that he was a Husky, kick up his heels in the fourth quarter and just relax and enjoy it because he's earned it. And I just, I would love a non-stressful game. Please. And thank you. I went back today, uh, ran a bunch of errands today. And then in the last few hours was watching some 
accidentally DVR'd uh, Washington State games from this year. And I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm just, man, this is like a worse version of the same team from last year. They run all the same stuff. They can't run the ball unless it's Cam Ward. That is weird to not be able to run the football in college football. I'm just watching it. I'm like, my God. And the only thing that works is that they run a lot of that. Uh, when Michael Penix scored the, the, the QB power H lead thing last week with the touchdown, mm-hmm. he runs a lot of that. And I remember going back to my scouting reports when I was writing stuff up last year, they have that guy goes in motion, like it's a slow jet. And then he's leading power the other way. And it's, it's just, they're going to try to get him out there. He slings the ball all over the place. He's fearless. He tries to extend plays, but he's not the most accurate dude in the world. I'm just feeling like if we can keep him contained and not let him get out on the perimeter and beat us with his legs, um, we're going to absolutely spank those coops. Yeah, just some numbers to go along with that. Washington State averages about 32.5 points a game. Cam Ward, obviously, is most of their offense. He spreads the ball on around a little bit. He can get outside and hurt you with his legs. Uh, he doesn't have the arm that Caleb does, but I, I wonder if they're going to try to go about kind of the same way. Do you see using like a spy on him at all times, or or how would you go about that if you were the D coordinator? Not all times, no, because I think they try to. I mean, their base offense is basically trying to get it out quickly. Um, a lot of RPO, boatload of RPO. I noticed just watching some of the games today, uh, most of their, I would not say most, but I'd say a good portion of their RPO is based on slants and in-breaking routes. Um, They don't try to get the ball to outside the numbers when they do it. A lot of trips formations, trying to solo up on one side. They're really trying to, by scheme, trying to get the ball out fast. Now, Cam Ward sometimes has other ideas and he holds the ball forever and he runs around circa Russell Wilson from a few years ago. Uh, he's just not as accurate as you kind of want him to be in those situations. So he's boom or bust. He's either a really big play or he is a liability. Do you think that, I mean, is the RPO effective with this group if they don't have the ability to run, especially with the running back? The reason they can still be effective with it is because Knowing that they run a lot of RPO, we can't just walk people down into the box and and give up the seams or the slants or whatever they're going to run. So if anything, it just keeps that eighth defender out of the box. And if they do commit, then he'll throw it. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of the RPO. It's just a math equation. So, hey, you got seven in the box. I'm going to run it. Hey, if you come up, I'm going to throw it behind you. Um, That's, I mean, they've been effective with it for the most part. But again, I cannot stress this enough. They are incapable of running the football traditionally. It's bizarre. And then looking at their losses, I mean, they have a, they stacked up a whole bunch of losses in a row, six losses in a row. And if you look at the teams that they lost to, and when they gave up points on them flipping over to the defense, Arizona 44, Oregon 38, Arizona state 38, Cal 42. Those are all teams that could run the ball. Are they more susceptible to teams that can run or are they getting beat through the air as well? I don't think it matters, but their three most, I would say, effective defenders, uh, Chow Smith-Gardner, the corner, who's really good at coverage and probably not the most stout dude like as far as just being physical. And then their two edge guys, Stone and uh, Jackson. Jackson, I think, is their best player. He's going to have to go against our offensive line, which, again, 
if you have good rushers, that's a good thing. If you have good pass rushers, good edge rushers, but we're the best offensive line maybe in the conference with Oregon. Right. Squat against Oregon. They're not going to do squat against our offensive line. I mean, if they try to bring extra people, cool. I mean, have at it. But in the end, it is uh, going to be an extremely uphill battle for them to slow down our offense. You think it was gamesmanship by Jake Dickert to say that Troy Fontana is one of the best players he's ever seen? A little bit. But then again... the same thing we did when uh, Jamarcus Shepard goes out and and just yeah. fluffs up all all of our opponents. I'm sure that's a little bit of gamesmanship. But also, there's a lot of truth to what he's saying because I think we've dropped back to throw 450 times this year, and we've given up seven sacks. For like our, our sack percentage is like one and a half, or like 1.6, or something like that. Once everybody kind of got healthy, for the most part, it's been lights out. So I can see him very, very, very concerned about getting any kind of pressure on Mike because nobody else is doing it. The last time he felt any pressure whatsoever was that ASU disaster game that, you know, everybody was sick. Who's going to do it? USC couldn't get to him. They have talented rushers. Oregon State couldn't get to the best pass rushers in the conference. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Offensive line is super cohesive. They're talented on the outside for sure. We've got a freshman center who plays like a fifth-year senior, and they're just a great unit. They're all playing together, and Washington State, I mean, they move Jackson around a lot. They put him inside on, on rushdowns. I saw a play he had against Cal where he just completely blew it up, and, and it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Ooh, Cal's offensive line is trash. So good luck. Move your guys around. Bring extra pressure if you want. I, I don't think it's going to matter. Do you think they finally go to the middle of the field? You, you're talking about our offense? Yeah. I sure as heck hope so. <laughs> I said it last time. We are falling in love with outside the hashes and back shoulder and, and, and verticals. It's just, I love scoring, but I hate being boring. And I feel like we have neglected certain things that worked so well for us last year that we've hampered ourselves. If we don't fix this, if we don't balance out our passing game and our run game and just kind of find the open holes instead of forcing everything, we're not going to win a national championship. A hundred percent. And I think that I'm I'm at least hoping to see a healthy, confident Jalen McMillan over the middle catching balls and getting those sweet, sweet yards after catch. Leah, how does Washington State win this game? Honestly, I don't see a way that they can win this game unless Washington beats itself. Washington is really good on all all three phases. We're going to have to stay ahead of the turnover battle, but Washington state, if you, if you don't take them seriously, they can beat you. We saw that with Colorado last week where Colorado just got run out of Martin stadium. Absolutely embarrassed, pants, whatever euphemism you want to say. And Washington knows that Washington state's going to be playing high on emotion and we just got to be ready for that. So taking them really seriously, having our protection packages in to make sure that Mike stays clean, um, getting pressure on the quarterback. He's mobile. We know he's very talented. He burned us a couple of times last year before we got serious on defense. So just making sure that we win where, where the fundamentally where it counts in football on the lines. Um, and yeah, getting pressure on the quarterback is going to be paramount. Love to see our secondary have another great game like they did last week. Shout out to our guy, Jabbar Muhammad. And yeah, like see if we can turn them over and make this a really quick and fun game in the first half. And so we're just all enjoying it in the second half. What do you think, coach? Yeah, um, I'm looking forward. I want this to be, I know it's a rivalry game, 
I know you shouldn't take these lightly and I'm not taking it lightly. I feel like they can hang around for a quarter, mm-hmm. but this, this in every sense of the word, this needs to be our get right game before the conference championship. Have everybody feeling good about just the flow of things. McMillan gets into the act. You know what I said last week? I feel like that first play should just be a little, little fake screen to him half back or sorry, uh, wide receiver pass and just uh, get him going. Maybe, you know, maybe hits Rome down the sideline for a touchdown. I don't know. Um, just get him warmed up and into the game, into the flow where he doesn't have to like worry about cutting on his knee and, you know, just start feeling good again. Because when's the last time he's had any success on a football field? It's been a practice at best. So, you know, getting him ready to go, not overextending, getting him ready for Vegas, which would be awesome. The Ducks don't want to see him. But yeah, I just, I feel like, again, we just have to get Cam Ward down to the ground. That is, that is public enemy number one. I know that he's only got 141 yards rushing. He's the third leading rusher, by the way. Nikhil Watson is their leading rusher with 257 yards. Cam Ward has been sacked 34 times for negative 234 yards. If it weren't for the sacks, he would be the leading rusher on the team. He is the most dangerous man on that field for Washington State, and we should be all over him on every single play. I don't care if he hands it off. Chase him down. <laughs> and that kind of leads into my my next question, and I'll, I'll actually go first on this. I think the most important player on the defense is going to be Carson Bruner. I thought that he did a really, really good job. Uh, against Damian Martinez, shooting gaps a few times, creating those negative plays. I think he's going to be really important to not only get his hands on, but get Cam Ward to the ground. What about you guys? I'm going to say um, our edge rushers. I'll I'll pick on um, Braylon, like making sure that I'd like to see him break through and get a couple of sacks today. Today, rather. Sorry. Saturday. I'd like to see that happen. If Cam Ward can be feel pretty uncomfortable. I think bad things are going to happen for Washington state. So, um, but yeah, Carson Bruner is a good, a good choice. And I'm going to go with Braylon. For me, it's uh, thinking about the RPO, thinking about what the safeties are going to have to be very disciplined. I think Mish Powell and Dom Hampton, the way that they hang back in the passing lane until they know it's a run and then rally up and, 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 and stop the run. So if those two guys have a really good game, it means that we've blown these guys out by 40 points. What about on the offensive side, Leah? There's so many people to choose from, but I'd like to see Jalen Polk have a get well game. Um, that was so outside of what we typically see from JP. Um, and I think he probably wants to, he wants to be targeted early and often to show how outside of the realm of expectations that was. Um, I think he's key. And I think if he gets a couple of big catches, obviously it leaves Rome wide open. Um, 1B, I love to see J Mack get on the field and get a big catch. He is working so hard and I know he really wants that. So that's 1A and 1B. I'm thinking about not only is this the Apple Cup, not only is this, you know, the 12th game, but it's senior day. Mm. And what I would really love to see more than anything is for the guys like, you know, Devin Culp, and uh, Michael Penix, obviously, to just, you know, live their best lives and, and just ball out. We don't have a ton of seniors that are like our guy. We got Mike, obviously, and we got some guys on defense. But for the most part, honestly, I just want to see the seniors have fun. I want to see us blow these guys out so everybody can play and just and live out their 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 final home game and, and in style. And I want them to all, you know, 
be extremely emotional and happy while they're singing Bow Down to Washington with the band afterwards, after the scoreboard is ridiculously in our favor. But I wouldn't mind if Jalen McMillan caught some balls, scored a touchdown, got his confidence up and, uh, you know, kind of helped propel us to our, our normal level of excellence. Oh, that was a good answer. I am curious if Dylan Johnson can't go, uh, what the rotation at running back is going to look like. Probably be Will Nixon. Uh, Tybo Rogers would probably be the ones with Sam Adams, and maybe we'll even get a Richard Newton carry. That'd be kind of cool. Well, it's always about the health, right? And we never know who's healthy. You know, we've heard kind of, kind of, I don't want to spread rumors, but it just seems, I think Richard has not been healthy all year. Sucks. If, if he is healthy enough to get some carries, that would be amazing. But yeah, you've got, you know, you've got Nagata in there as well, who can get it to get some carries. I just hope that when it comes right down to it, we don't need Dylan Johnson on Saturday. I would rather him sit. I would rather him get healthy. But again, that's taking somebody lightly. That's like saying, oh, that's Tulsa or that's Portland State. Which they're already doing with Giles Jackson. And I think the other way you spin it is like, let's rest Dylan Johnson and let's make this a feature game for Will Nixon. He's totally capable. The man is a truck. So let's give him the rock and see what he can do. I I don't think it's a disrespect to Washington state to say that we're going to sit Dylan because we want Dylan to be right. We know that we're going to play another game in a, in a week after that. And, you know, Tybo Rogers is, is an adequate kid. He is young and we need to get him reps. So I don't, I mean, for me, it's not about disrespecting Washington state. It's about protecting the guy that needs protection and getting some of our other guys who are completely good reps. The other, the other aspect of that is um, if Dylan doesn't play, who's your best pass protector? Because Tybo's a freshman. We've seen him try. He's, he's putting in a good effort. Um, Will Nixon is more of a pass receiver. He doesn't do a whole lot of blocking. It's been, you know, hasn't been a lot of that. I have no idea if Daniel Nagata can pass pro. And we just keep running down the list. Like, is Sam Adams healthy? I don't know. You're going to get into a situation where uh, Westover is going to be in the backfield yeah. just as a, as a personal chaperone to make sure the mic is upright. It's true. I was just going to say that. I think it's going to be Dove and Westy doing doing a lot of work. But yeah, Quentin Moore too. Time to predict. Um, I think Washington, we're all we're all picking a Washington win. Washington isn't going to lose to Washington state when there's something on the line. I think Washington is going to kill them. I think it's going to be something like 56 to 20. I like that. I think that we're going to have a game like we did against Cal where before Washington state even really wakes up, we're all of a sudden up by two to three scores. I think it's going to be something like 51, 14. So um, I'm announcing on this podcast today, tonight, uh, when this airs tomorrow, the next day, that I am now mortal enemies with Trevor because <laughs> I, had this oh, no. whole, I had this whole setup where the last time we played an Apple Cup when we were 11 and 0 was 1991, and we beat the Cougs 56 to 21. Oh. So you can go to hell. You really do need to let coach go like first because I do. Almost- and I, I thought about that because I, I remember how Maddie was at me. God, no wonder you're no wonder you hate me. Um, you make me stay up an extra hour. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I will give you this. I was going to give it to Leah, but I'm going to give you this question. I need you to be my AI generator and I need you to generate 
the tweet that Jim Moore is going to send after Washington State loses to the to Washington? Oh God, no! no. It, I guarantee you, it's going to be something to the effect of, "Congratulations on winning the Apple Cup. You're going to lose to the Ducks in in Las Vegas next week, or something like that." I'll be watching or whatever. He just, I don't think he cares that much about this Cougar team. I think he just wants to keep getting there. Did you see that he replied to me this week? I didn't. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I sent that your, tweet your out. Your response night. was great. Oh, yeah. I sent that tweet out last night about. It never uh, changed, Jim. Yeah. I called him, I think I called him Jimothy. 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 Yeah. He's just, that's his shtick. And that's what he's known for. He's a, he's a, he's a Husky hater. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I just, you know, he's, he's going to have another Coug team that didn't go to a bowl game. So he's going to be sad. I, I don't have a good one for you, Trev. I just know that whatever he says, like, you know, he's just going to be telling on himself. So whatever he predicts is going to happen or whatever he manifests that he wants to happen, the opposite will happen. So, you know what? In fact, I really do hope that coach is right. And he says, congratulations on winning the Apple cup. You're going to lose to the ducks because the opposite of that will be true. Awesome. Um, all right, so Friday after Thanksgiving, Oregon State will head down to Autzen for the artist formerly known as the Civil War. Oregon is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Coach, what do you think about that? I think it's accurate. I honestly, you know, despite the fact that we had the weather last week in a close game, I didn't see Oregon State as a threat. I thought they were very, like, solid second tier in the conference team. I, I just don't know if they've got the firepower um i don't know what the weather is going to be like but since oregon is probably going to be 70 degrees and sunny tomorrow or on friday yeah um, i honestly at least dj won't have to throw the ball in the rain so what i think is oregon's going to win 38 to 24 and it's going to be one of those games where it wasn't that close i kind of agree um as much as it it really made me nervous in the end of the game to see it come down to two with Oregon state marching down the field with a chance to win the game. Uh, weather aside, we're a much better team and probably so is Oregon. Oregon is smarting after losing the artist formerly known as the civil war last year. I don't think they're going to make it two in a row. And if that were to happen, then they would say to us, well, the only reason that you have a, sh a shot at winning the PAC 12 championship is because you don't have to play us again. So for that reason and that reason alone, I hope they do win. But I, I, it's it's again like a hold your nose and close your eyes type of a situation. I think it's probably forty one seventeen, and I hate myself. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried about playing the Ducks. Uh, I think that they're going to win this game. They'll probably win by two touchdowns. Uh, I think Oregon State will score a little bit because they are pretty balanced. Damian Martinez is pretty good, but if DJ can't throw to uh, uh, Bolden, I think is there their guy consistently it could get pretty ugly but I, it'll be two scores next up is colorado headed to utah utah is a 22 point favorite colorado looks like a team that is done playing football for the year 22 is a lot of points for a team that's not great at offense leah what do you think it's at rice eccles yes it is i don't think that to your point i don't think the utah is really capable of beating Colorado by 22 points although they did they did boat race what was it Stanford the week that the, before they played us so they have it in them and Colorado has essentially quit 
And I'm old enough to remember when Colorado was ranked this year. So I don't know. I think it might be fair if Utah can get themselves right after the demolition in the desert that they suffered. So I don't know. I think, I think it might be something to the tune of like 31, 12. So maybe not like quite covering, but it's darn close. Yeah. um, Oregon, sorry. (laughs) Utah is not a great football team, but they are. 10 times tougher than Colorado. Colorado's soft. They're broken. They're just in a shambles. They just got their butts handed to them by Washington State, who was on a five-game losing streak. Um, they don't have a bowl game to play for. They really have nothing to play for except for, hey, you know what? Um, let's not get anybody hurt because we all have like aspirations of, you know, Shadur and Travis Hunter and those guys. I'm sure they'll make it a game for a little bit, but Utah's going to win rather comfortably. I will say 31 to 13. Dion said the quiet part out loud when he said, how are you going to fix the offensive line and go get better linemen? Because the offensive line is just really bad. And of course it doesn't sound good for your head coach to say that he needs to go into the portal to find more offensive linemen, but he's also really good at telling the truth. And that is the issue right there right now. It doesn't uh, a week of of development isn't going to get them ready to play against a a really good defensive line uh, and that pass rusher. So I don't think color. I don't even know if Shador is going to play. So I think this one is going to get ugly. So although I said twenty two is going to be hard, I think they'll they'll get there by the fact that just Colorado is not going to be able to move the ball very much. So I'll say like yeah thirty thirty two ten. This is, I think this is the easiest spread. This is easy money to me. Arizona heads to Arizona state. Arizona is a 10 and a half point favorite. I think that's insane. I think, I think Arizona state's going to be in by two or three scores. So I'll give me the wildcats and that bear down. I, I hope so, because I think that if Arizona can win with style against Arizona state, they're sniffing potentially a new year's six bowl. And yeah, isn't that I, absolutely right. That would be absolutely fantastic for the conference. Obviously great for our resume if they win and make Arizona State just look completely pedestrian, which they are. So, yeah, I think that, that that's easy money, to your, to your point. Bear down. Arizona State is just limping to the end of the season. I feel bad for him. You know, I know a kid who's on that team. He's one of ours. He's redshirting this year. I, you know, I feel for what they're going through down there and to the coaching staff's credit, they've, they've done everything possible. That's a good staff. Duct tape it together and just be competitive. I don't see this going well for them because U of A is just playing really well right now. You said the, what was the point spread? Ten and a half. half. I think that U of A is going to score 42 points and ASU is going to score 10. Yeah. That's accurate. I ten and a half seems really low, but Vegas knows more than I do, so who cares? Uh, then we have Notre Dame headed to Stanford to play in the library. Notre Dame is a twenty-six point favorite, and I'm taking Notre Dame because although Notre Dame's eight and three, therefore they've they have nothing to play for in Notre Dame standards. Uh, this Stanford team is horrible. Go ahead, Leah. I am going to make a bold prediction that Notre Dame is going to score more points than Stanford has fans. (laughs) 
Ouch. <laughs> You'd have Leah bringing the heat. I have been waiting <laughs> to break Trevor, and I did it. So, <clears throat> and I'm glad you did because, as I said earlier, we are mortal enemies now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Notre Dame's not my favorite program to watch simply because I just don't love their offense, but defensively, they will beat the crap out of you. And Stanford's used to getting the crap beat out of them recently. So I don't see this being like Notre Dame's going to score 50, 60 points because that's not who they are. But Stanford, I'm going to say, is going to be, this is going to be an interesting prediction. They're going to be held to under 50 yards of rushing. They're going to be held under 200 yards, 225 yards passing. And they're going to be held under 12 points. So whatever Notre Dame decides to score on top of that, Stanford's not getting two touchdowns. And they're probably going to lose by 30. Uh, and next week when Jake's back with us, we will preview the Notre Dame-Stanford-Quidditch match. Advanced scouting, I love it. Hashtag yeah. Jake. Or Sue Jake, rather. Hashtag, Hashtag Jake. Sue Jake, yep. The last game is Cal headed to UCLA. Cal wins, they're bowl eligible. UCLA is a nine and a half point favorite. Cal can finish eight and four. And if our predictions go the way they do, will, four teams would be eight and four. Oregon or uh, yeah, Oregon State would be eight and a four. UCLA would be eight and four. Colorado would be eight and four. And uh, where's UCLA or USC? They got to be right around there. Five, seven and five. Seven and five. Woof. Okay. <laughs> I really want to pick Cal in this game. I just, UCLA, I thought UCLA was going to kind of take a nosedive and, and they played against a team that, was quicker to their nosedive for no reason other than I want Cal to be in a bowl game. I'm going to pick Cal to win the game. I, so Pac-12 conference podcast loves to dunk on me. Um, at, whenever somebody from Oregon is trying to just pester me because I somehow piss them off. And I know a lot of the guys on that podcast are UCLA guys and they really want Chip Kelly fired. So for that reason, I am pulling for Cal. Because wouldn't that be delicious to keep him there? I know they don't like him there, and I want him to stay for as long as they'll have him. You know, Cal is a weird team where just all of a sudden, for no reason, they can just start moving the ball, even though they have a really questionable situation at quarterback. They've got Jade Knott. They don't have a ton of talent receiver. Their offensive line's not that good. Next thing you look up, and they've got 30 points on the board, 40 points on the board, and you're like, how in the hell did that happen? After we benched our starters when it was like 52 to 13 or whatever, then they just started going off in like the third <laughs> and fourth quarter. And like, well, you give them 500 yards of Cal. I'm like, well, we didn't really play the starters, but they tend to do that every once in a while. And UCLA has got the best defense in the conference. But I just feel like this is going to be a weirdly close game. I think that UCLA is going to maybe pull it out, but it's going to be something like 24-21. I buy it. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's the rivalry games are super fun right after Thanksgiving. I hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving holiday with your family and loved ones. Washington has a chance to go 12 and 0, and that is really, really exciting. I can't wait to watch. For Trevor Mueller, UW Leah, Coach V, go dogs. Go dogs. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a lot of good food, and don't forget to wash it down with some Jim Mora tears. Go dogs. <laughs> Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get together? The answer is born from a hero, Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Murguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, 
just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington. 